Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com or call 662-446-1048. Now get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It'd be a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Winstonville. Not quite Winston County. No, no, it's not. Uh, don't be a little weird, that. though. Yeah, it would be weird. Don't forget today at Brupolo in Tupelo, it is Stranger Appreciation Day. 50% off all drinks, 20% off all merchandise and baked goods. And if you want to go online and, and, and shop there at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com, use the code BREWDAY, B R E U D A Y, no space. And uh, that'll get you uh, 20% off of all your purchases right there. On strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. So enjoy Stranger Appreciation Day at a Stranger Appreciation Day at Brupolo. College Corner, collegecornerstore.com is the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you are looking for. They have the biggest and best selection of Mississippi State gear in central Mississippi. Whatever it is you're looking for. And of course, they've got the polos, the t-shirts the hats with the new logos, the state script, and the interlocking MSU. So if you haven't already. Buy your new stuff from College Corner. Two locations in the Jackson area serve you Ridgeland by Fleet Feet, Flowwood by the Half Shell, or you can just shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Restaurant Tyler, Startville's flagship restaurant for lunch, dinner, or Sunday brunch. The best meal in town is at Restaurant Tyler. And guys, I just can't help but tell you, when you want to have a special occasion, the the place to go is Restaurant Tyler because eating there is a special occasion. So if you got a big date, Going to pop the question. You want to celebrate something? You need to do it now at Restaurant Tyler. 16 Priority One Bank locations throughout Central Mississippi here to serve you. Guys, we talk about eating locally and banking local or shopping locally all the time. It's just as important to bank locally. Keep that business, keep those things within your community. And so they do that. You can do that when you live in Central Mississippi with our friends at Priority One Bank. Look them up online, priorityonebank.com. Find the location near you. Open an account today. That way, when you need to talk to somebody about a loan, you're talking to people you know, not people you don't. And that's a pretty simple concept, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. Once again, second week in a row, if this is a uh, program that you listen to and you're like, I like these guys, but I wish I could hear less of them, this is a great show for you because we've got two great interviews lined up for you today. We're going to start off the top with with Brandon Marcello. Uh, that's a guy that, you know, he took a lot of heat, as as did it, others this year, Robbie, about their preseason prediction for Mississippi State. That's why I wanted to talk to him, because I wanted to find out what he didn't like about State to start the year 
and what is he seeing now? And so let's just get right into the interview. I talked to Brandon on uh, on Tuesday uh, and, and got his thoughts on this on this team and this upcoming game with South Carolina. Joining us now here on the podcast, Brandon Marcello, 24-7 sports, national college football writer. And Brandon, the reason I wanted to have you on was pretty simple. I know that you were a guy that you were not high on Mississippi State in the preseason. I'm sure you had them last on your uh, SEC West ballot when we went back to media days. Um to the point where a lot of Mississippi State fans were, were, were they were coming after you on social media and on message boards. And, you know, this isn't an I told you so moment or anything like that. But at the same time, you had concerns about this Mississippi State team. Preseason, what what, what were you looking at and saying, okay, that's why I'm, I'm going to pick them last? Yeah, a couple of things. You know, I, just because I didn't have Mississippi State, like, you know, even in the middle of the conference, I still thought they were probably going to make it to a bowl game or be fighting for a bowl game. But they've surpassed my "quote unquote" low expectations early this season because of just the lack of style points, and that lack of style points is just the offense. As I'm sure Mississippi State fans can understand, I don't know what has happened there. Why they just seem to be banging their head against the wall by trying to shift to an offense that's so so different from what they had to use the air raid previously in previous seasons, but. It's just not working, and I don't understand why they went with this whole idea and this whole plan. Were they seeing something in the spring and in the summer and in preseason camp to make them think that what they're doing offensively, schematically, was going to score 30 points a game? Because it's one that's going to barely crack maybe 21 points a game, if that, in the SEC. It's, It's boggling to me that they made this decision. So Saturday, you know, I think, like I said, you you thought State was going to struggle this year. I think they're struggling more than even you thought. And I'll go back to Saturday, and I'll let our listeners know that you sent me a text during the game, and the, the gist of it was basically like, what the hell is going on? It was it was pretty simply put. What did you see from this team Saturday that had you going, wow, that's, that's even worse than I thought it might be? They're pushed around physically, which I know LSU's a pretty physical team. Say what you will about them losing to Florida State, but man, for three quarters, those teams were playing championship-level football physically. But Mississippi State, not to say they necessarily gave up, but they were just manhandled from start to finish by LSU. And then again, offensively, I just don't understand the scheme and the game plan around the personnel that they have. The personnel that they have is not built to be in this scheme. And I'm telling until they fix that and realize that there are going to be more results that are closer to what you saw Saturday against LSU than say, you know, a one or two touchdown loss. Uh, and that, that could pop up and bite them even this week against South Carolina, which South Carolina is probably a mid tier SEC team and it will be by the end of the year, but, if they don't fix things offensively, they're going to make South Carolina look like an SEC East contender. So when you talk about you know scheme and personnel and things not fitting, it, it sort of begs the obvious question for Mississippi State, a quarterback change. You know, Mike Wright is obviously a much different uh, player than Will Rogers is. You know, he has that mobility. Is, if, is it as simple as what State wants to do, Mike Wright's a better fit for? Or do you think State should maybe change what they're doing and stick with Will Rogers? They should change what they're doing and stick with Will Rogers 
And not to say that an entire program owes something to a single person or player for that matter, but Will Rogers is the quarterback who's broken records for you, has won games for you over the last couple of years, and you ripped away kind of his power from him by doing what you're doing offensively. And if you thought he was going to be successful in that, that's not – and he's not now. That's not on him, to be quite honest. That's on the coaches for misreading the situation because Will Rogers has proven to be a winning quarterback and one who is very, very good at throwing the ball. So why are you ripping away his strength from one of the most veteran quarterbacks or the veteran quarterback, I should say, in the SEC – and now to fix that, you're just going to say, let's make a quarterback change and go to Mike Wright, who can move around and do some things to better fit our offense. Well, if that was the case from the get-go, then you should have done that in the preseason. The problem is you do that in the preseason, everybody will be like, what the hell are you thinking? And the th- thing is, is that we're saying that now. What the hell are you thinking? That It just makes sense for the personnel there that's on campus and what they should be doing and could be doing offensively because this is it, it's it's boggling to me that they are this bad offensively Brian and you and I were talking about this you know where Kevin Barbe has has a reputation as a guy who comes in and kind of makes things fit what he has yeah as opposed to being locked into to what he does uh offensively so that that's been surprising to you it's been kind of quite shocking and it makes me wonder like did he come on board and they're like okay listen I'm Zach Arnett. I'm the head coach. In two, three years, this is what I want Mississippi State football to be identified with offensively. So I want you to do that this year and results be damned. I mean, I don't know that, but that's what it looks like. It's like this is not the offense that I would necessarily expect Kevin Barbet to come in and go, all right, this is what we're going to do, and we're not changing at all. Because in his past, you talk to all the coaches and the players that have been in his past, they've talked about how, He's malleable. He'll move around. He'll change things. And his often, no two offenses have been the same throughout his career. And certainly that seems to be the case right now. It's not the same as what we've seen in the past. But, man, it's so difficult, Brian, in the middle of the season to change things. Mm -hmm. But it's so much more difficult to change things when you are new on campus and you just started installing this offense back in the spring and, it's it just seems like it was a failure from the moment go um it could be fixed and everything but i i just don't understand the genesis the idea of this is what's going to make mississippi state offensive football successful in the sec in 2023 all that being said you know this team did struggle at times offensively a season ago they only scored 16 on lsu last year only scored six on alabama uh, offensively only scored 13 on Georgia. I mean, these, those are the, the best teams in the conference and the ones you want to be trying to compete with. But again, even against Kentucky offensively, they only scored 10 points and they had a pick six in that game. Defensively, this team was sort of carried by that last year. They were really good defensively. They've been really good since Arnett arrived. That This defense is not good. I mean, they're just not. They're 13th in the conference overall. D- Daniels had all day to throw. They couldn't pressure. They couldn't cover, which is that's a really bad combination in pass defense. What what are you seeing from this defense that, that makes you go, wow, that, that, that does not look like Mississippi State? Yeah, they're obviously missing some pieces from last year. We all know that, but they're just they don't have that physicality that I'm accustomed to seeing from Mississippi State football teams, and that goes just offensively and defensively, but defensively getting pushed around. 
I mean, there are openings to get to, like last week, to Jaden Daniels. We've seen other teams do it uh, just this season, in fact. And the fact that Mississippi State was just not very successful in doing so and allowed him to kind of pick and choose whatever he wanted to do offensively, throwing the ball or running it, it is very concerning because there's going to be more offenses that aren't necessarily the same as LSU but are going to be able to uh, take advantage of Mississippi State's weaknesses, which are pretty glaring on tape. And, and for Mississippi State fans, I mean, a physical identity has kind of been what this program has been since Jackie Sherrill. I mean, you covered this team. You know that, that they've always been a team that sort of prided themselves on, we may not be the most talented team, but we're going to be the team that hits you the hardest. And so to hear that, it, I mean, that is something that flies in the face of everything Mississippi State fans want to hear. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it's just weird to say it, too. Yeah. Because say what you will, even the quote-unquote years they were struggling, and there haven't really been years they've struggled in the last decade. I mean, they're going to bowl games, what, nine straight years, ten straight years, something 13. like that? I mean, 13? Yeah. Am I that old now? Yes, wow. you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> I mean, you were, you, were hearing, you were hearing 10, right? Yeah, I, that was I was the first year. Then. That was the first year. Yeah, thirteen years. That was my first year covering Mississippi State. Actually, yeah, thirteen years. Wow, Whew, I'm old. Okay, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, God, now I'm having flashbacks. You're telling me 2010. Yeah, of that offensive line they had. Yeah, I mean, you have a center and J.C. Brignon. You remember him, of course. Who smaller guy? You know, I think he was shorter than me. In fact. But, he, man, he played his ass off and busted heads. And you got to have that at a school like Mississippi State that, in quote-unquote, is a mid-tier school in the SEC. But if you can be really physical in the trenches, talent, quote-unquote, be damned, you're going to get four stars here and there. That offensive line, that defensive line, if you could play your your tails off, you're <laughs> you going to win games. It. and. Yeah, almost did. You're you're gonna you're gonna win games. You're gonna win nine games potentially. Yeah, as we've seen Mississippi State do, and not seeing it right now, um, especially defensively in the trenches. Um, and I don't think is that something you could fix week to week. I, I don't know, but there are ways to kind of strengthen it a little bit. I'll give an example. Um, you know, South Carolina, who Mississippi State plays this week, their offensive line is not good. They're just not good at all. But they have changed some things up to be better out there than what they what they really are talent-wise. And against Georgia, they held up. They were even able to run the ball effectively at times in the first half, and they end up leading Georgia 14-3, to which is what really matters on the scoreboard. And, of course, they lost in the second half as Georgia kind of woke up and decided to play football and change things. But... Coaching is where this is going to have to come down to, I think, for Mississippi State this season. And it's Zach Arnett's first year. I know that. But this is a year-to-year business, and you're being graded week-to-week. you got to show adjustments. And right now, they've got to make some changes offensively and then also defensively. Find a way to hide some of those weaknesses and make up for it. Because, listen, Brian, there are a lot of teams out there in college football, the coaches will sit down there and tell you and have truth serum in them and go, listen, we are not a very physical team. And I don't, we don't quite know how we're going to be able to match up with this team physically. But my coaches have come up with a good plan to kind of counter that. And sometimes it works and they can make sprout upsets or, or look like the better team. 
on a given Saturday. And um, this is really this season, but is really going to be a test for those coaches and trying to prove themselves on the job that uh, that they're worthy of one of their job, but secondly, of uh, of improving a team that should be much better than what it's showing right now at Mississippi State. This game Saturday, you just we talked about it a little bit there with South Carolina. I mean, these are two teams that are not off to the kind of start they wanted to have at this point. Even though State's two and one, and I think it's what State most people would have predicted. Like you said, the way they've played is not the way you would have predicted. I know you're not a guy who likes to make the big proclamation on week four, but it's going to be pretty close to season over for the loser of this game, right? Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to get to a bowl game. South Carolina would be in a much better spot than Mississippi State, even if it lost, though, because South Carolina, they've got an identity offensively and defensively, and more importantly, the players and coaches believe in that identity, and they've been in it for a couple of years. Mississippi State, I'm not so sure that they have an identity. They don't. They don't, offensively especially. And I'm not so sure the players believe in it because they didn't see the results you would expect. And they've been struggling to score points. And it's a first-year staff with a lot of new guys, and you got to kind of sit there and think, all right, if you lose this game and it's not pretty, and with it being on the road, it's very possible, how do you hold the team together? I think it's a little bit easier for South Carolina to do that with a loss if they were to lose than it would be Mississippi State. I feel like we're going to have people driving into traffic because of this interview. I've, I've really I've really put you in a bad spot of, of being the bearer of bad news here. I apologize for that. I'll have you on, I promise. If State can somehow win these next two, you'll be back on with me on that Monday. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. I'm the... You just bring me on to be the like just absolute negative Nancy Debbie Downer every time. No, it's only no cause, wonder everybody hates me at Mississippi State. It's only because Calvisi got out of the game. He's I don't I can't That's even find that guy anymore. He, he he was smarter than us, I guess. But here's the truth: if State wins this game Saturday, which they're fully capable of doing, you know, they're probably yeah. going to lose to Alabama on, on the Saturday after that. But but nobody would would be projecting otherwise. Three and two. Brandon, that that's about what everybody would have projected who had State in a good spot preseason, and the people who had them in a bad spot would probably say, wow, they're a little bit ahead of where we thought they were going to be. Yeah, I mean, record-wise, yes. But again, it's going to matter style points. I know that yeah. sounds silly, but it is. And I, you know, listen, let's go to the quote-unquote national perspective, the, the story of college football right now at Colorado. I, everybody sees that they're 3-0, and but everybody's just like, yeah, they're not they're not top 15, right? Because they still haven't played Oregon, which are playing this week, then USC next week. And it's like, well, yeah, they're 3-0, and but they're about to be 3-2. and And they might not make a bowl game themselves this year, but everybody's on the Deion Sanders hype train right now. And listen, I, I am too. I got them in my top 15 or top 20 just because that all the way they played through three weeks. I mean, you have to. Right. And they got, listen, they got, they got superstars all over that offense and everything, but it's like we're sitting there kind of waiting for the for the hammer to fall, which is USC and Oregon and the other teams in the Pac-12 that are a little bit more physical than the teams they've played so far. And for Mississippi State, it's very much kind of not like that, but in a comparison story-wise, it's just, yeah, Mississippi State looks good 3-2. and two, They can still go to a bowl game, but if you lose your first two SEC games by double digits and you look listless off- offensively, that doesn't leave much 
hope that even against the mid-tier teams you have left on your schedule, like in Auburn, um, that you could sit there and go, well, I feel confident we're going to be able to beat them if it becomes a rock fight, you know. And Mississippi State, with that offense the way it is right now, they'd have to win a lot of rock fights. But yeah. do they have the defense to be in a rock fight? Can they win games 14 to 13? I, I don't. I, I, I'm not seeing that either. So, to me, they've got to sit down as a staff and revamp things offensively as much as they can and play to Will Rogers' strengths because I think they owe that to him because they put him in a bad spot. And secondly, they owe it to the team. It's the best way to win. They need to change that offense up. We'll see what happens this weekend. I'm, 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 you got me interested in thinking that there, that there could be some changes coming, but we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's all about what you see on Saturday. Uh, against South Carolina. Brandon Marcello, I'll give somebody another inside baseball here. This is the second time we've done this interview because because some dumb <laughs> some dumb guy forgot to hit record the first time around. Thanks for your time, man. You gave me a lot of it today. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right, thanks to Brandon for his time, uh, which ended up being a lot more of his time than he thought it was originally going to be because I didn't record the interview the first time around like a dummy. Um, oh, I hate that. Nah, I felt so bad. Like, I hit the stop recording and it said record you know begin recording i was like begin oh no yikes so he was adamant in that interview that what mississippi state's doing is not working and they have to change it and they have to change it now to the point he was like you almost wish it was a bye week this week for state so they could make some changes and he believes in will rogers he believes that state is better served by tweaking the offense to fit will rogers than changing what they're doing, changing quarterback. quarterback and and going with what they're doing. Is it surprising to hear a guy like Marcelo, who, who follows a lot of college football, he knows what he's talking about, be that adamant that what Mississippi that he, he was basically saying state can salvage this season. They have the talent and the pieces in place to have a good season, but they got to change what they're doing from the top. Uh no, I mean I've heard people say that I just don't know how realistic that is at this point. Mm-hmm. Can they just change the whole offense? It's tough. So, I mean, I, I'm sure it would be familiar to a lot of these guys, but you know, I don't, I just don't know if that's going, to, I don't know if that's going to be a, a possibility. Well, that's not good because I, I tend to agree with him. So do you, do you think they can, let me say I'm trying to phrase this. Would it be easier to to pare down or or put the offensive focus on things that can make Will Rogers look stronger, or would it just be easier to change quarterbacks and go with Mike Wright? I think at this point you have the offensive coordinator that's running his offense. You've already switched everybody to this offense, the style of offense. To me, the the biggest tweak that would change things offensively or at least the perception of it for me is having a more mobile guy in there. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, the, the people that are talking about, like, just go back, do some more air raid concepts or whatever, I feel like they forget that that offense struggled a lot at times too mm-hmm. and was an offense that was – fairly easy to defend from opposing defenses. It wasn't one that was, you know, always um, a mismatch for opposing teams. 
I think this offense is good. I, I just think we haven't been able to see the entire scale of it. Are you – because here's what bothers me about a lot of our offensive discussions. There's – and I'm, I, I want to stop short of saying lie. I don't like that word. I don't want to say lie. But there was something said about this offense in the offseason. It's going to tailor itself to the strengths of the players it has, right? That's that's what we were told. This was an offense that wasn't – it wasn't like Mike Leach that he's set in stone. These are my plays, and we're going to run them. It was we're going to find our best players and put the ball into their hands and give, put them in positions to win. If you're not doing that, then what are you doing? Because yeah. you don't have any identity. Like Mike Leach, if nothing else, the Air Raid had an identity. You knew what they were going to do. You knew what they believed in, what their philosophies were. I don't know what this philosophy is. because, And you hit on something, I think, yesterday when we were in the rumblings. When he talked, you talked about it, it felt like it was almost like Barbe heard the criticism and decided, okay, I won't run the ball this week. We'll, we'll throw it a lot more. Because they only ran the ball. You know, Marks only had eight carries last week. That's not the right answer either. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, uh, I don't like, I don't know where the sweet spot is. I think sometimes, and what we've seen from Barbe whenever he's been the offensive coordinator, wherever he's been, is it's really predicated on whatever the defense is giving you. But there's got to be some kind of identity for this team. They've got to be able to kind of establish the run, I feel like, in most of these games. I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of games where they're going to be able to drop back and throw it 50 times. So, I mean, the, the I think that at the end of the day, the run is going to be seriously important for this team. Are they going to be able to do it with their quarterback in, in, a, in kind of a zone read scheme, or are they going to have to do it with their running backs? That's kind of the question. And without – Mobility at that quarterback position, it is taking away, I think, a lot of what you can do on the offensive side of the ball um, because there's not that option to move the pocket a whole lot. The play actions are going to be a lot tougher. Uh, and we saw that the way that those, the way that they try to develop those plays in this offense, you just couldn't get Will Rogers out of there. So, you know, it's, it's really kind of a unknown for me right now. I don't know what this offense is and what it's going to be. It's very interesting to see where we're, where we're headed with uh with, with uh, looking ahead to this weekend and this game Saturday. I, you know, I've never I can't remember a game against a team like South Carolina that was ever this important, right? Like you think about important games. Oh, obviously the Egg Bowl, right? But normally it's a West game, Alabama or LSU. Auburn is a game I always circle as like that's an important game. This game against South Carolina, which I knew was going to be important back in June, right? Where it was on the schedule, you, you just knew that it was going to be an important game. But this Zach Arnett's future may hinge on what we see Saturday. That's incredible to think four games into his tenure. But if they go out there and lay another egg, Robbie. Nobody's going to want to hear from that guy. No, it's already starting to flip a little bit, isn't it? I mean, this week a little bit, I think, Robbie. This week, I mean, nobody was really 
like locked in. And we've seen we see this with with coaches all the time. Like everybody is really excited about them, and then when things start going south, those press conferences just turn worthless. Yeah, and it's just people just angry at everything that's said. Doesn't matter what the person says, and that's kind of where we're getting with Zach Arnett. We already have people three games into this season that are just done listening to it. And I can't really blame them. I mean, at some point it gets to the point where what you say doesn't really matter. It's all about what you do. Mm-hmm. And after the Arizona game last week, I thought people were willing to give that a little bit of a reprieve because they were saying the right things and they were taking initiative and they were talking about things that they're not doing right. And mm-hmm. people were like, okay, you know, that makes sense. Well, when you say it again the next week, mm-hmm. And it's not lining up with what's going on on the field. People just are not going to be on board with that. So it's all about show me. You know, it's all about winning games. It's all about producing on the field. Whatever you say at a press conference is just words if you're not able to produce it on the field. And that's what that's what we're already kind of seeing that with this fan base. They're they're checking out quick. Yeah. If Zach Arnett's not able to win, and you know, we've talked about attendance and things like that. I mean, this is the opposite side of that coin where fans are going to say it costs so much to come to these games. And if the team's not good and they're not going to win and they're not entertaining, I'm not I'm not about to go up there and waste my time. I think, you know, you look ahead to this Alabama game, 8 o'clock kickoff, that should be a raucous, rowdy crowd. But if State gets smoked this weekend in Columbia, it's not going to be. And there's going to be a lot of Alabama fans in there because people will be selling their tickets, so... This yeah. is a very precarious week for Mississippi State. Their, their season kind of hangs in the balance, and that is a really hard to believe only four weeks in. But that's kind of – especially in a, a, for me, Robbie, in a stretch where I said, hey, they're going to go two and three. They're going to be two and three at the end of this. That's what I think. And But I didn't think it would be a situation where it would be a complete disaster. And now that's where I kind of feel like it's going to be if they can't find a way. I guess I'll ask a question, and this is probably a better question for tomorrow, but – do they have to win? Is it enough that they just go out there and look competent, and but they lose? I think they have to win because there's there's a lot of people that are kind of falling off the bandwagon right now. Mm-hmm. To go to a tough environment, beat a team that I think is going to be really competitive. They're not South Carolina is not quite up to standard, but they want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of pieces of that team that they've got to get better. And they've I think they've had some injuries too, but going on the road and winning that game will speak volumes about this team and Zach Arnett and company. Yeah. That would be huge. You go up there and lose, whether you lose close or not, I don't think people are going to be excited about that. A loss is a loss. And that's the first thing that's going to be said is they're not getting the job done. And there's not going to be a whole lot of faith in this staff. But you win, I feel like you start to get those those fans back. Because it's still it is still early. Mm -hmm. And that that that's a good thing, but also a bad thing. Yeah. All right. Let's move on into our opponent preview. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. It's still cooking out season. Great weather this weekend. Fire up the grill and throw some steaks on there for your family. Everybody, and I do mean everybody, will be thrilled with that. Unless you get a vegetarian in the family, in which case they want to be thrilled with that. But, you know, 
They just choose not to be. Don't worry about them, though. Put some burgers on the grill. Put some steaks on the grill. You got all day to cook for a 6.30 kickoff. Get up early. Put a brisket on there. You got so many great ideas, and they all involve beef. Hope to see you this weekend grilling out. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. If you're in Starkville this weekend, a great place to watch college football is Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Food's good. People's good. Plenty of good big screen televisions in there. What more can you ask for? Some smoked wings, some pork rind nachos, a prime rib sandwich. That's a day of watching college football done right. And don't forget, when you support our friends at uh, Two Brothers, you are supporting the Bulldog Initiative. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. Great products, great service. Every business promises it to you. They deliver it to you at Advantage Business Systems. There are businesses that have been around a long, long time, and they only have one thing in common. They take care of their customers. That's what Advantage Business Systems does. If you need technology, give them a call. And then if you need service, you call them back. No 1-800 numbers, no call centers, no uh, uh, out-of-state technicians, just Mississippi people who can help you a lot of times the same day that you called. That's a huge difference. Your business can't afford to wait. Advantage Business Systems doesn't make you wait. 601-362-9192 or visit them online, absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems help your business do business. The Rogue and the Collegiate Collection at the Rogue, guys. Fall is starting to creep in. I don't. I, I, there may be one more push. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx anything. I can feel summer making one last gasp attempt at us here. But I'm just telling you now, it's time to start thinking about your new quarter zip pullover. They got them at the Rogue. Great styles, great name brands, and they have the logos that you guys want. So check it out online at therogue.com. Look at their collegiate collection and then swing by the store or just buy it right there off the website. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at the Rogue. Earlier today, I talked to Emily Adams. She covers the... It, by the way, it's, it's it's kind of a sad day, right? We no longer have Ben Portnoy on the South Carolina beat. We had to move on. This was his highest recommendation, though, for uh, for his replacement. So Emily Adams of the Greenville News covers the Gamecocks for them. Let's get her thoughts on what's going to happen Saturday. Join us now on the podcast for a preview of South Carolina. Emily Adams, she covers the Gamecocks for the Greenville News. And Emily, we had you on Sports Talk Mississippi a a few weeks ago, and we talked about how big this game was going to be for South Carolina and for Mississippi State. And here we are three weeks into the season, and the game is bigger than we even thought it was going to be. Just from your perspective, do you think it's bigger for South Carolina or for Mississippi State? Yeah, it's it's tough to say. I, I almost think it's bigger for Mississippi State right now. Um, just, just looking at the rest of the schedule, you know, South Carolina still has, you know, so many big games ahead of it. You know, they, they're even looking at Tennessee the week after Mississippi state is a big one for them. Uh, they've got Kentucky early in November, which will be a big one for them. So, you know, I I think they have a lot on the line here in terms of sort of proving that they've made strides from, from that week one disaster that they had and and after they were able to sort of look a little bit better against Georgia last week. Um, but I think for Mississippi State coming off of the loss, this is this is going to be a big deal game for them. Uh, not not necessarily even just to win, but just to, again, look look better than that performance and show that that's sort of not the the ceiling for them. That's very interesting because I would have said the opposite and I cover Mississippi State. I would have said South Carolina <laughs> because I think being one and three with, you know, I think Tennessee is good enough to win next week to be one and four 
at the end of this yeah. month, is, that's rough. That's rough. Yeah. For, for, but for both teams, it is a, a huge game. You know, when we watch Saturday's game against Georgia, I, I always wonder about teams when they play a game like that. You know, you play a top team, you're in the game the whole way, and you just kind of run out of gas there at the end. If you're thinking about South Carolina, do you think they take that as a positive and they're, okay, we can build on that, or are they going to be flat because, gosh, we gave that everything we had and still came up short? Yeah, it's it's been interesting, and I think you know today we'll we'll talk to players and to to Shane, and so I think that'll give a little bit better of a sense. But the the mood was definitely tough after that Georgia game. I think you know in the building there was just a lot of frustration that yeah they they were so close and just couldn't get it over the finish line. But you know I I think from the outside, I mean that performance was such a far cry from what they were in week one and and even against Furman in some ways. So, you know, it's, it's hard to fault them for, you know, giving Georgia their closest game in Sanford since like 2020. Um, So I I hope that this week they're sort of able to, to look back on that and and appreciate the sort of moral victory of it. um, Because I think it is a, a huge building point, especially for some of those young players um, who are making their their starting debuts this week uh, as expected? I thought we saw you know both sides of Spencer Rattler on Saturday. In the first half, he was he was really really good, but then obviously Georgia turned up the heat and he was more inconsistent there in the second half. Three weeks into the season, I think he's looked pretty good though. What what do you what do you judge Spencer Rattler as after the first three games? Yeah, I was really critical of him um, last year, especially on the turnovers, the accuracy. And that's been such a huge improvement at the beginning of this year. I've, I mean, I've just been really, really impressed with what he's been able to to put together, even, you know, with an O-line that has really struggled with a run game that really can't get going. Like he has sort of just put this offense on his back. Um, and I think we saw that at Georgia too, you know, even in that second half when, when the wheels sort of came off, I, I think that was almost more just sort of out of necessity you know they got into so many of those third and long situations and and he was just kind of throwing it up and hoping somebody was going to get to it at that point you know losing juice wells at the beginning of that game uh definitely did not help either so it's you know i think he sort of ended up in a tough situation but i don't think his stat line from last week is necessarily reflective of how well he played um, especially when you look at the Georgia game last year where the offense didn't have a touchdown uh, with the first string in. So, you know, I think just looking at, at that comparison is a, a real testament to his growth in, in just one offseason. Are you been have you been surprised by how by how one dimensional the South Carolina offense has been? They have not been able to get anything going on the ground thus far. Yeah, I unfortunately uh, that has not been a surprise. I think that was a concern, but frankly, that they had even last year uh, once Marshawn Lloyd got hurt towards the end of the season. And, you know, once he hit the transfer portal is now at USC, um, they just didn't they didn't bring in anyone to sort of fill that hole. So, you know, to carry on Joyner starting at running back as a, a former quarterback and wide receiver, I think, you know, He's, he's been really good in red zone situations, but outside of that, he really struggles to break tackles. He struggles to kind of find gaps in the open field. Um, so uh, it's looking like we're going to see a little bit more Mario Anderson um, this week. He was on the depth chart for the first time. He's a transfer out of uh, Division II Newberry. Um, and he's he's had some flashes, but they haven't used him a ton. Um, and he's, you know, 
a little bit bigger than Juju McDowell, who's their top returner. Um, and so I think, you know, having a more true running back like back there might help them. Um, but we'll see. I think this week might be a little bit of an experiment on that front for them. Is this for Mississippi State defensively? Is their game plan going to just be, hey, if we slow down Xavier Leggett, we're going to win? Uh, yeah, honestly, I mean, <laughs> they're not expecting to have Juice Wells this week. He's um, had a, a suspected broken foot. We're supposed to get an update yeah. on that today as well. But he will almost definitely be out. And yeah, Leggett has been, I mean, just the breakout star of the season for them. So yeah, I mean, I think we saw it in the second half with Georgia. They were able to make those adjustments to the passing game and and slow things down there. And yeah, if you can get pressure on Rattler and you can shut down Leggett, you know, they're really going to struggle to get moving. And, you know, that was sort of the tale of two halves we got in Athens last week. So let's talk about this game from a from a Sunday perspective. What are we talking about if Carolina wins and what are we talking about if Carolina loses? Yeah, I mean, I think if they win, you know, we're talking about, you know, they've, they've set themselves up in a good place to go to Tennessee. They've, you know, going into the the bye at, you know, three and two or two and three uh, after Tennessee, you're in a fairly solid place either way, even though, you know, they really do have kind of a brutal second half of the schedule here outside of a couple weeks. Um, but if they lose... I think you start to have serious questions about what their path to to even bowl eligibility looks like, you know, with, with Tennessee being sort of uncertain. um, I think that one again will be a really big deal just in terms of how well they can hang with them. If they are able to pull out a win there, that would be huge. But, you know, you go to Mizzou and Texas A&M on the road right out of the bye week, which are both really hard places to play at. Um, you know, they've got Kentucky and Clemson right at the end of the season. So you, you start to to have trouble finding six wins in that schedule a little bit. Um, so I think that will sort of be the big question for them is is whether they're able to to get over the hump by the end of the year. It's gonna be a very interesting game in Columbia Saturday night. And I, I really do feel like somebody's season is on the line. We'll find out who uh, after this one. Yeah. Emily Adams, Greenville News, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Robbie, I asked her, I know you haven't listened to the interview yet as we're doing the pod. I asked her, who do you think this game is more important to, Mississippi State or South Carolina? She said State. And I thought that was interesting because I said South Carolina. So I'll let you break the tie. Who is this game more important for? I think it's Mississippi State. Um, Just because you're trying to set the foundation of Zach Arnett here. And, you know, Shane Beamer's kind of proven himself. He's got his extension. They're, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, they've got they've got some things to work through, whatever. But, you know, to me, it's state because there's so much for for Zach Arnett and his staff to prove. And, I, you know, I've actually seen some South Carolina fans that are there. I don't know if they were on board with this you know, last week, week before, whatever, but there's some sense of urgency for them too. They, they've talked more about this game this week than they usually do. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I think that it's a big one for both teams. For Mississippi State, to me, it, it feels like the biggest game of the year. 
hard to believe that that's that's the case at this point. But I I I tend to agree with what you're saying. But at the same time, with South Carolina, if they lose this, I mean, I, I know Tennessee didn't look great against Florida, but at, in Knoxville, I feel like South Carolina's staring one and four right in the face, and then they yeah. still have to play. You know, they have to play Florida, Missouri, Kentucky. These are all teams that have you know played a little bit better than them this year. They still have to play Clemson at the end of the year. I mean. It's going to be a tough road to bowl eligibility for South Carolina if they lose this one. So, very interesting game. Thanks to Emily for her time. Really appreciate that. All right, tomorrow's show, you know what it is. It's three Ps. Preview, playmakers, and predictions for Mississippi State, South Carolina. So, looking forward to bringing that to you on Friday. Guys, have a great uh, Thursday, and we'll be back with you very soon. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.